Welcome, welcome, welcome this morning as we dive into God's word. Learning something new is always hard and challenging. I remember 2015 when I was being taught how to drive. It did not go well with me. The skills of driving were so hard and challenging for a person like me to grasp, understand, and apply at the same time. For that reason, brothers came alongside me, helping me how to drive. I remember Brother John Hartwell. He came with his old blue car. And then he said, Mark, get in. I said, I got it. Let's go. I did not know where we are going only to find that he was taking me to 75. <laughs> My goodness, 75. And he told me, brother, you need to accelerate. I said, what? Yes, accelerate. This, you need to drive. I did it because he asked me to do. Not only him. I remember Chef Horns. He also took me to First Baptist Church, Woodstock. When we entered the parking lots, I was like astonished to see various parking lots. Before I could learn what they are, Chef Horn was telling me, can you get into car? Let's go. And he was trying to give me some tips of how I can drive. We went one round, and the second he said, Mark, I want to teach you something. I said, yes. You can even handle this steering wheel with one hand, and then the, car, the wheels will just return. And when I was trying to apply that, in a second, I was hitting the shoulder of the parking lot. <laughs> and then I was like, what is happening? He said, no, no problem, let's go, let's go. Now, I was actually uh, afraid of, can I drive? Can we stop? And they said, let's go, you are good, you are good. Not only him, but all of a sudden we went to 575. And 575, I, want, I don't want to, uh, maybe to announce whoever took me to 575, <laughs> but he knows himself. <laughs> For one and a half hours we were going to Tennessee, and then I, I drove. When he was talking to me, that, is what, that was Pasashen. When he was talking to me, I could not even look where he was because I know the 575 is a serious, <laughs> a serious business. I was like focused, like <laughs> I need to drive. Okay, you, you talk to me, but I'm <laughs> concentrating. And then we came back. Not only him, we have a lot of people who came actually in my life to help me understand how driving. Not even... Forgetting uh, Andres. Andres was every Saturday. Brother, let's go. And we were going. Uh, so, uh, after that, the list goes on and on from whom I learned my driving skills in this congregation. During my exercise of learning, I was getting it. And sometimes I was failing even to apply those skills. I remember they could give me instruction while holding the steering with me. 
It was like, now, who is driving here? Are you the one driving or am the person driving? They were holding the driving with me. But as I was skating and, uh, and coming to understand the skills of driving, I saw them watch me drive. They had minimal instruction and could not see them holding the steering wheel and more. And later on, as I gained more confidence, they let me drive because they understood clearly that I had developed, the, I had developed and established the skills of driving. From that time up to present, I am still developing the skills of driving. And by now, I can say beyond doubt, I have developed them and I have established them. Given that right now I'm in Africa and I'm driving in the city of Nairobi, it means that the people who gave me the skills over here gave it to the, their utmost, which means I gained good skills. Because in Nairobi right now, traffic is high, and I can drive in such like a city, which means I sat under qualified instructors. I'm able now to drive defensively, like Sharon Box was telling me every time, Mark, you, t- you drive defensively. And I was like, okay, sure, sure, let's go. <laughs> and, 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 and I caught it because... She gave me those instructions, and I'm still applying them back in Nairobi. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 to verse 7 is of a similar case. Paul begins by reminding them how they had received and had been taught the gospel from Epaphras. When you read Colossians chapter 1, verse 7, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf. Although they had received the gospel from Epaphras, Paul was now writing to, the, to them from Rome and sending this letter through Tychicus to encourage them in the Lord. He is writing to reinforce what they had heard from Epaphras and encouraged them to grow and be established in truth. And above all, they were to be thankful for what the Lord has done in their lives. For example, they were to be thankful in light of God's providence. They were to be thankful in light of God's goodness. And they were to be thankful in light of God's kindness. The list goes on and on and on. Paul reminds them again and again of all the good things that were going on in this church of Colossae. When you read chapter 1, verse 5 to 6, the Bible reads, Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world, it is bearing fruit and increasing, increasing in it also does among you. Since the day you had it and understood the grace of God in truth. But the problem was that the Chandan Christians were not really saved according to the Jews because they were not keeping the Jews' customary laws 
or ceremonial laws. But in spite of all these blessings, Paul knew that there was a threat from Gnostic teachers that was becoming to be sewn into the fabric of the church, and he was writing exactly to cut this teaching in the church of Colossae. When you read, the Gnosticism was combined with the Jewish legalism and the pagan mysticism, as we are going to see just a moment. We will see how these Gnostic teachers were actually telling the Christians in Colossae what they need to add on what they have already. We don't have time to discuss all the things of Gnosticism, belief, but we can summarize the final effect of all like this. It focused on the believers' attention on what they don't have. Number two, the focus was on making them feel incomplete, insufficient, lacking, ill-equipped for the sake of Christian life. That is what the Gnostic teachers were trying to tell these Colossians. The result of it all was that the false teachers were threatening the spiritual aspect of the church of Colossae. And though Paul could not keep quiet other than to, narrate this, to write this letter so that they can actually read to safeguard themselves from these Gnostic teachers. I want to draw your attention this morning to a profoundly simple solution that Paul has for all of this. A profoundly simple solution for spiritual stability in the life of a Christian, a solution that is so easy that every new believer can easily understand it, but so profoundly extensive that we spend the rest of the Christian life trying, trying to master it. This passage, we will focus this morning, as I said, it's Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 to 7. Now, in this passage, Paul begins this section of the letter with the word therefore. This is a word that marks a transition. It introduces implication from a previous section. In this section, in this case, the section is the opening section. When you go back to chapter 1, verse 13, through chapter 2, verse 5, in that opening section, Paul gives us some of the most exalted language you ever find according to the supremacy of Jesus Christ. Over and over again, he tells us that Christ is preeminent over creation over the church, over the principalities, and over everything. When you go back and read those verses, you will come to understand that. He is, Jesus Christ is preeminent. We are to recognize him as preeminent in all what we do, in all our implications. He is. Paul tells us exactly that those implications are for our lives. And he discusses it in terms of your work, or we might say your conduct, or we might say your, your uh, response. 
at the end of the result, you will notice is that they are, they need to be abounding in thanksgiving. Let me read. Allow me to read second, uh, the second chapter of Colossians, chapter 6, uh, verse 6 to 7. The Bible reads, Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him, having been firmly rooted and now being peeled up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. In Colossians 2, verse 6 to 7, Paul describes two ways of a Christian living or a Christian life. Number one, you can see it in verse 6, the founding of our faith. Another thing which Paul is trying to say here, verse 7, the flourishing of our faith. So let us actually dive into the first implication here in verse 6, the founding of our faith. You must be continuing planting the seed of the gospel. And if it's, that is the thing, that is why I'm in Africa. That is why I'm in, in Kenya. I need to continue planting this seed of the gospel. Not only in Kenya, even you here, you need to continue planting this seed of the gospel. Because that is our anticipation. That is our hope. So in verse 6, Paul begins by saying, as you have received, as you have received. Now, received is a tradition that formally receives an authoritative teaching from another person, especially of a person succeeding to an office. The Colossians have acquired the teachings from Epaphras, and Epaphras has acquired this teaching from Paul. And Paul has acquired this teaching from Jesus Christ. And if that is the case, then it becomes a tradition that as Jesus Christ told the apostles, the apostles have also taught their followers, and the followers are now to teach other people so that they can come to understand the gospel. They have therefore received Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah, they have now received Jesus, the equivalent name of Joshua, in the Old Testament, the Savior. They have received the Lord, a title for God and for Christ, one who exercised super, supernatural authority over mankind. In other words, they have received the King. And if that's the case, Colossians have received Christ, Jesus the Lord, who is the very image of the invisible God. That is chapter 1, verse 15. Who is the creator of all things? Chapter 1, verse 16. Who holds all things together? Chapter 1, verse 17. Who is the head of the church? Chapter 1, verse 18. Who is the God's wisdom? Who is God's mystery? Through whom they became Christians. So Paul's argument here is that Christ was everything they needed. They were complete in him. They did not need anything to supplement what they had in Christ. Christ is everything. They did not need to add anything to satisfy their salvation as the false teachers were urging them to do. 
What's the point of Paul here? Paul's point is found in verse 8 when you read. In verse 8, Paul is saying this, Colossians should not be deceived by the empty and deceitful philosophy that finds its roots in human tradition and the elementary spirits of the world. That's the point. Because you have received Jesus Christ the Lord. Then you are, you are completing him. You don't need anything to add or to supplement your salvation. And that's why he's actually trying to tell them in verse 8, I'm telling you this because I don't want you to be deceived by false teachers. Paul is warning them, Achenes, why, why, why is he warning them? He's warning them, Achenes, a threat which has come in this church. Notice chapter 2, verse 4. He's warning them the persuasive arguments of people. Notice also chapter 2, verse 8. He's saying human philosophy and deception. And look at also verse 16. He's saying, therefore, no one is to act as you are charged in regard to food or drink or the respect to the festival or a new moon or a Sabbath day. Look at also chapter 2, verse 18. Let no one keep defrauding you of your price by lighting itself Embarrassment and the worship of the angels. Taking his stand on visions he has seen, inflicted without cause by his fleshly mind. Chapter 2, verse 20. If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulation, verse 20, 21, to not handle, to not test, to not touch, referring to things that all perish as they are used. According to the human perception and teachings, these have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body. But they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the faith. So Paul point. Is that they were to stand firm against false teachers. And if they are going to stand firm to uh, false teachers, they need to continue walking in Him, walking in Jesus Christ the Lord. They did not lack anything. Should they have Jesus Christ the Lord, they that are complete. So, so they needed just to walk in Him. And that's the point of Paul here. You need to walk in him. So when we go back to the text, you can see verse 6b says, so walk in him. So walk in him. Why is he trying to say so walk in him? Because he's telling them in the first hand, you have received Jesus Christ the Lord. Because you have Jesus Christ the Lord, you are complete. So the remaining aspect is walking him. And, and, and if that is what he's saying, then the question is, what does it mean to walk in him? It is an imperative. This is an imperative that urges the Colossians to lead life concerned with their confession. They were to live or behave in a specific customary manner with a possible focus upon continuity of action. 
they need actually to continue living and emulating Jesus Christ in their lives. What they do, what they, they say, should correspond to the Christian faith. They should maintain a lifestyle patterned after Jesus Christ, the Lord himself. That's why when you read 1 John chapter 2, verse 6, the Bible reads, Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Colossians chapter 1, verse 10, the Bible reads, So that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. He's telling them, walk in him, because you have everything that it takes. Because Christ has done all this in their lives, then it was worthy to walk and live in him. It was worthy to walk and live in him. But the question is, why do we have to continue to walk in him after receiving him? Why? Paul continues to answer that question. Because, chapter 1, verse 19, because in him dwells all fullness of God. Chapter 1, verse 20, in him reconciled the world making peace. By the blood of his cross. Chapter 2, verse 3. In him are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Chapter 2, verse 10. In him you are filled. Chapter 2, verse 11. In him you are also circumcised with circumcision of Christ, not of men. So they are complete in essence, they lack nothing. And that's why Paul is urging them, walk in him. Because if you cannot walk in him, then realize that you are not born of him. And because you are born of him, walk in him. And that's what Paul is actually trying to tell them here. Because they have everything that it takes as Christian. Then the following verses, Paul explains why will happen if we live or if we walk in him. Notice with me, when you read, maybe you read during your free time, but when you read from Colossians chapter 3 through Colossians chapter 4 verse 6, you notice Paul is saying if you walk in him, if you live in him, then these verses becomes true in your life as a Christian. He's talking about chapter 3 verse 1 to 17, Christian conduct. So if we walk in him, we live in him, our Christian conduct will be godly. Will be godly. And also, chapter 3, verse 18, through chapter 4, verse 1, if we live in him or if we walk in him, then Christian household or lifestyle or relationships will be godly as we interact, as we talk. As we do whatever we do, it will be godly because in the first place, we have Christ and we are walking in him. So all, all that we do, it should reflect him 
because it's the order of our life. Look at chapter 4, verse 2 to 6. Christian speech. If we walk in him, then Christian speech inside and outside the church, at work, in stones, in birthday parties, wherever we will be, will be godly because we reflect Christ. We reflect Christ in everything we do. And that's the beauty of what Paul is trying to tell them. Guys, you need to walk in him. Because if you walk in him, this is how it will be. So, not only the Colossians, even us as a people, even us as Christians, we are urged with Paul to walk in him. In every sitting, every interaction we go, our conducts, our response, wherever we will be, Paul is telling us we should walk in him. For if we walk in him that way, everything we will do, it will glorify him. Everything we will do, he will be glorified. Notice also Paul could say in chapter 1 of Colossians, he could say in chapter 1, Colossians 28, him we proclaim, warning and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. In him we proclaim. What's the point? So we, we proclaim and teach so that we present everyone mature in Christ. And, and if that's the thing, you can also come down in verse 6, chapter 2, verse 6, he's saying, just as you received. And also in verse 7, he's saying, just as you were taught. Just as you received, just as you were taught. In essence, teaching is an act of transmitting the reliable tradition from generation to generation. We are recipients of teaching. We are recipients of proclamations, which other people have done. Now, take for example, FCC. When you visit the small groups, you can see people there seated actually to proclaim, to teach the truth of the Bible. Look at even the Sunday school. People are there seated waiting to proclaim, to teach the truth of the Bible. You come here on the pulpit, people are there ready to proclaim, to teach the truth of the Bible. Why? Because teaching is an act of transmitting a reliable tradition from generation to generation. The Lordship of Christ should affect every aspect of our life. The Lordship of Christ. The affirmation of Jesus as Christ and Lord should lead us to our changed behavior. Because if we have received him as Christ, Jesus and Lord, and he dwells in us, then we as the recipients, we need to have a changed behavior in whatever we do. And if we don't have a changed behavior, then you need to have question mark on your life. You need to ask your life, yourself this question, am I a Christian? Because if you are a Christian and you have Jesus Christ the Lord in you, your life should be affected and you should actually live a changed behavior. 
And that's the call of Paul here. He's telling them, you, you Colossians, you, you, you are complete. And because you are complete, you need to be affected by this. You see, I come from Africa. But I am more comfortable when I, stand, I, I, I interact with you guys. Why? It is because the Lord Jesus Christ has affected your life, has affected my life. When we interact, you are a brother, you are a sister. I change the behavior in everything we do. Not only does Paul describe to us the founding of our faith, but secondly, Paul describes to us the flourishing of our faith. Verse 7. Chapter 2, verse 7. Now, verse 7, you will be continually progressing through stages of growth. You should be progressing through stages of growth. As a child is born, he or he, he needs to grow. And we have the stages. He needs to actually to attain those stages so as to attain maturity. You are a Christian. You need to grow. We have the stages. So Paul is saying, here are the stages. You need to actually to observe and see. And before maybe I can dive into the verse 7, let me just take you back a little bit. In chapter 1, verse 10. Chapter 1, verse 10 through verse 12a. We want just to compare what Paul is trying to say in, verse, in chapter 1, verse 10, A, P, through 12A, and verse 7, chapter 2. And you can see there are similarities. Like, for example, in chapter 1, 10B, Paul could say this, pairing fruit in every good work. Chapter 2, verse 7, he has said, rooted in him. Chapter 1, 10C, Paul could say, growing in knowledge. Chapter 2, verse 7, Paul could say, pure in him. Chapter 1, verse 11, Paul could say, being strengthened with all power. Verse 7, chapter 2, established in faith. Chapter 1, verse 12a, Paul could say, giving thanks to the Father. Chapter 2, verse 7, Paul could say, abounding in thanksgiving. Now, in both cases, to walk should not be defined simply in practical and communicative terms, as we have already seen in chapter 6. But it should involve both living in faith and worshiping the living God through Jesus Christ as our Lord and the Savior. Not only in practical terms, but also it should be translated into worshiping the living God. So the question is, how, wh- how is your worship like? How are you worshiping God? Notice the stages through which Paul says you should progress. Now he starts actually enumerating. In verse 7, he starts by saying, having family rooted. Having family rooted. So, the word means to be established, conceived of as if a plant being becoming fixed on the ground. To be steadfast, 
and having endurance, thus becoming strengthened with focus upon the source of your strength. Now, the source of our strength as Christian, it is not anywhere else other than in Jesus Christ. So if that is the case, it is, Paul is using this, um, this metaphor in a, uh, it is a, a horticulture type of analogy which he's actually uh, using here so that we can understand. It is like a tree sending down its roots deep into the soil in order to be stable for any storm that comes its way. So in other words, Paul is saying, it is significant previous rooting and also present state of being rooted. As Christians, Colossians were rooted in Christ when they received him as savior of their souls. We were also rooted in Christ when we became Christians. We were also rooted in him when we confessed our sins to him and received us as his children. That's what Paul is trying to tell them. Philippians 1.6 And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Yeah. He began something in our lives. And he's, still, he's carrying it on. And at the time, he will come to take the church home. And this is a process of sanctification. So Paul is telling them, there is a starting point you received. And therefore you need to be rooted. And if you are going to be rooted, you need to see to it that you continue. It's not one time when you receive and then... Because we believe that once a child, always a child. Once saved, always saved. Unless you are not saved. But once you started, you, once you began the chain of salvation, he's saying he is going to carry it up to the completion. And this is the essence of these people. They received. And today they are presently rooted in him and they are to continue to be rooted more and more. Christians are not to be like weeds that have no roots and are blown apart by every wind that comes their way. Christians should not be like weeds without roots. That when, a, when a, any storm comes, you go with it. And this is happening in Africa. Any doctrine that comes on the scene, that's for us. Anything that comes on the scene, that's for us. They don't have roots. And I'm saying, Christians should not be like weeds that have no roots. And when any doctrine comes around, it sweeps them. Now, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14. As a result, we are no longer to be children, just here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness, in this deceitful scheming. We should not be that, because we need to grow and be established. Nor are they to be transplants that are repeatedly moved from soil to soil. We are not to be that way. Notice also, Paul is saying, having firmly been rooted, but also he's saying, and are now being pulled up. Pulled 
up. Being pulled up. Means to pull up or to be constructed, to develop or mature, to increase in potential of someone or something with focus upon the process involved to strengthen or to make more epoch. It pictures a building racing over a high, higher on the foundation. This could refer to the spiritual growth. This would refer to the spiritual growth of their lives as a community of believers. They need to grow. They need to grow. Therefore, to be rooted or pulled up in him points to the central role of Christ as the mediator between God and the human beings. We cannot grow outside Christ. Our spiritual life depends on Christ. And we cannot grow outside him. So if we are rooted and pulled in him, then we are going to grow. Then we are going to grow. And that's what Paul is uh, trying to say here. This means Colossians believers have been pulled up and they are left rooted on a solid foundation of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is our foundation. And they have been pulled on that foundation of Jesus Christ. And they are able to withstand the schemes of their enemy, the devil. As we trust Christ to be our savior, we are now put on the foundation which helps us to grow in his grace. Which helps us to grow in his grace. And apart from Christ, apart from his foundation, then guess what? We cannot grow. And a Christian should grow. So that when any, any, any doctrine comes around, you will actually understand what the scripture says and you will measure that doctrine with the scripture. And that means growth. We need to grow. If we do that, then it paths way for Paul's argument to become true. If we can do that, then this paths way for Paul's argument, starting from chapter 2, verse 8 to 15, to become true. He emphasizes that no human tradition or decree can diminish the completed work of God in Jesus Christ. We cannot diminish that. Any human philosophy, any human doctrine cannot nullify that. God has completed his work in Jesus Christ. And if we have Christ, we have everything. Paul is just trying to tell them to understand that. The Colossians needed to be deeply rooted in the truth of Jesus, which had been revealed by God. The truth was also the foundation on which they were pulled. They were to continue believing and practicing what they had been taught about Jesus Christ. They needed to practice. Now, it is one, one thing to know something, and one thing to believe something, and then to do something. You can know something, and until that thing affects your lives, you cannot do it. So Christianity is not just something up here. It should affect us. It shall affect our all being so that we can emulate Jesus Christ. And, and that's the point of what Paul is trying to tell them here. You should not just call yourself Christian, but you need to have 
impacted by the Lordship of Christ in your life so that you emulate him in everything you do. Not only that, Paul goes ahead and says, after being rooted and pulled up, he's trying to tell us another thing here. Being established. When you go back to the text, you can see him saying that. Being established. To become stronger in understanding of faith. To be established by means of faith. To increase in, in inner strength with the application of greater firmness, of character or attitude. To be strengthened in one's heart. It means progressive or continuing process. This participle builds on the previous two and emphasizes their stability in the gospel that they have had. It is emphasizing that you have had this. So if you are going to establish it because you have been rooted, because you have been peeled, then you are going to be established. Now, let me go back to my introduction. I said I came here and I was taught how to drive. These people who are teaching me how to drive, they could not lead me to drive until they saw that I've gained those skills and I've understood to apply them and I've established in those skills. And now I know how to navigate the way. Now I know the traffic lights, where, what they mean. Now I know where I should go at this certain mile and where I should reduce the speed. Now I know. When they came to understand that I know, they left me to drive. This is what Paul is telling them. That at this particular time, you need to have established in your faith. And because you need to have established in your faith, then you need to move. You need to walk in him. Because you have established. And that's the point here. As you were taught, you see, he's going back again. As you were taught, indicates a, com- a comparison back to verse 6 again. Verse 6. Just as you received Christ Jesus the Lord. Colossians were taught by Epaphras, the doctrine with which they were, with which they believed, and now they need to be established in faith. You see, when you received Jesus Christ, don't just remain there. You need to grow. And that's why we have discipleship. We need to grow. You need to grow so that you can also teach other people. And that's the agenda. We have been given the means of reconciliation. We cannot reconcile the world unless we are growing. And this is why Paul is telling them, you need to have established. And after you have established, you are good to go. Colossians were taught by Epaphras this doctrine, and they needed actually now to apply it. They needed actually to grow in it. Christians who study the word become established in their faith and are not easily trapped by the schemes of the devil. Should we spend our time in the word? Should we spend our time understanding what God is speaking to us through his word? Then we are going to withstand the schemes of the devil. And vice versa is true. If we are not studying, then we are going to be weak. And anything which comes on the scene will sweep us out. 
So Paul is trying to tell them, you need to have established. Guys, we need to have established. I don't know how many years you have come to fellowship in FCC. But sometimes we, I, we normally sit back with my wife and then we say, FCC is just like a, a Bible school or a college. Should you be in that church for three years, you qualify to do other things outside there correctly without any hesitation. So, so I don't know how long you have been in this church. And how have you been impacted by the teaching of this church? And how have you established in faith, so to speak? Christians who study the word become established in the faith and are not easily trapped by Satan. They are firm. Notice also something else. Apart from being established, Paul could say also, verse 7, that overflowing with thanksgiving. Overflowing with thanksgiving. This means to exist in abundance with application of being considerably more than what we will expect. This is a concluding call to lead a Christian-centered life, to express gratitude for blessing. The thanksgiving or gratitude that overflows should be overflowing from our inner hearts, should come from our hearts. Remember, you have been, pure, you have been rooted, pure, established, and right now you need to be abounding in thanksgiving. And that one should not stem from outside you, should stem from you. And, and, and that's why Paul is saying here, Colossians were to give thanks to the great things God has done in their lives. For example, his goodness, a time of heretical teachers, God has protected them. His protection over spiritual enemies in their lives, God has brought them faith through the gospel. They needed actually to see to it, they give thanks. You guys, when I talk about charismatic and prosperity gospel preachers, most of you maybe, you just look at the TV and you see them. Or maybe you read a book and you are informed. But a person like me, I don't need to read a book. I don't need a person to inform me. I always see them. And because I always see them, it is very hard for a person coming from a third world country, where I come from, to stand firm the way Paul is putting it. Simply because if he has not studied the, the scriptures, it's easily for him to be taken by such like doctrines. And that's why Paul is saying, Colossians should need to be thankful because they have been protected from heretical teachers. And that's why to say also, FCC should be thankful because they have been also protected from false teachers. Because the teachers who are teaching them are true people of God who are teaching them the word of God. And therefore, if they are to be thankful for that, we need also to be thankful for what we have received. 
What am I trying to say? This is what I'm trying to say. We will defeat our enemy and not be taken astray if we have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, and are walking in him. If we have, if our roots are deep in Christ, we will not want any other soil. If Christ is our sure foundation, we will have no need to move. If we are studying and growing in the word, we will not be easily enticed by false doctrine. And if our hearts are overflowing with thanksgiving, we will not even consider turning from the fullness we have in Christ because all that we need, we have. We will stay there and we will glorify our God. Guys, I pray that God may help you if you have received him, walk in him. Be rooted in him. Be established in him. Be of thanksgiving, abounding thanksgiving. Because thanksgiving, it tells you of who you are here because of what you have received from him. May God bless you. May God keep you. May God lead you. Shall we stand? I want us to pray together. And may God help you, actually, to, as you process all that we have gone through, that you make them to be a reality in your life. Let's pray. Father, in the mighty name of our Lord Jesus Christ, help us through your holy word, which we have received today, to be a real measuring rod to our lives. As we received Christ Jesus the Lord, let us walk in him, rooted and pure up in him. And more importantly, Father, help us to be established in you and always be abounding in love and thanksgiving in our hearts as your beloved children. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.